0: Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I am back from Austin, Texas and we're ready to talk some movies, video games, comic books and especially music today. I've got a a guest that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time, Mr. Matt Penfield. How are you Matt? Jonathan, how are you man? I'm doing really well. (laughs) And I love this because when I came over to Westwood One and started using the studio here, I saw your name on the door and I was like, are you kidding me? Matt Penfield does a, a show out of here and they said no, he's actually in San Francisco and he does the ISDN line and I got so depressed. Until, well, like, two, three, like, a couple weeks later when I saw you hanging outside the studio after yeah. my show, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I'm so nervous right now.
1: No, you were great, Jonathan, and hey, I'm really excited now to be living in Los Angeles, so. You know, I like San Francisco, too, don't get me wrong. Sure. But uh, I do prefer the weather in Southern California. <laughs> and after growing up in New Jersey, living through Katrina, um, well, that was actually New Orleans, but New I New Orleans, but passed you, through you be, there. But you, but you guys did we have went that big... Sandy. St- you guys had Sandy, yeah. And then... Um, uh, what was really pretty incredible was just, you know, the winter that followed that a year later, 2014 brutal. into 15, was brutal in the northeast. And I vowed that if I had the opportunity to move west into the warmer weather, I would take it. And I got that offer to move to San Francisco and now to be in LA. So and you here know. you are. I'm moving south as you can well, see. Well
0: I'm excited to talk to you. Uh Geekscape is one to just tell you guys real quick before the show gets started to check out our sponsor Loot Crate. Loot Crate.com slash Geekscape. Use that promo code Geekscape. You're going to get a subscription uh, discount on any of those boxes that you've got. There, the you know, go to our website or go to our Facebook, and you'll see us unboxing some loot crate boxes. But there's different themes. There is a big DX box, but it has statues and stuff in it. There is a uh, a box for anime fans. There's a box for gaming fans. They send me all the boxes. I really hope they send us the Star Trek box in December, and it's got all this uh, cool stuff in it. Comes with a shirt, comes with a poster, comes with a bunch of toys. Uh, I love my Loot Crate. So go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape. Use that promo code Geekscape to get that discount. Uh, if anything that I don't want out of those Loot Crates, you're going to be able to get out of the uh, box at our booth at Stan Lee's LA Comic-Con Halloween weekend. So we're going to have a booth there. We're actually going to have a live Geekscape panel on Saturday the 28th at 3 p.m. Uh, I'm announcing it here. Uh, thank you, uh, Stan Lee's LA Comic-Con, for approving our panel. Don't know the guests quite yet, but look for us that weekend. Before we really get to Matt, I want to say a quick shout out to everyone who uh, is part of Geekscape Forever on Facebook. I love that that group is so vibrant. You guys have been awesome. And I did get a message through Facebook of a longtime Geekscapist and friend. Uh, I will not be revealing his name because of what he's going through, but this really was touching uh, to me. So I I got his approval to read this on the air. But uh, he wrote this and said, today I am 14 days sober and checking into rehab in Austin for a month. This past year has been hard financially and personally, and I did a lot to hide from it. I had a a wake-up call this month, just a week before my 35th birthday. No one was hurt uh, but me, Uh, but I realized I need to make drastic changes. I can't really go into too much detail for legal reasons, but I kind of feel like I let you down. Uh, After listening to you for all these years, I want to let you know I'm off uh, to get help, and your story of your brother and love of life is one of the things pushing me to get help. Ultimately, I'm doing it for me, and I want to get better. I don't know why I felt like I needed to reach out, but I did. I hope to make you proud when I get out and look forward to catching up on Geekscape when I do. Be well, and thank you for all you do for all of us geeks. Um, that hit me pretty hard. I love you guys. I want all of you guys to be well. Um, the world's been a pretty nasty place recently. Uh, I woke up this morning to the news of Las Vegas. Matt and I have been talking about it. And... Um, no, I, I love you guys, and just think, just know that because uh, I'm straight edge, because my brother was killed by a drunk driver, because of all that stuff you, some of you long-time listeners know about, doesn't mean you can't reach out to me. It doesn't mean that I, – I made a personal decision 20 years ago when I decided to be straight edge, like 20-plus, oh, I guess. God, I'm old. <laughs> but but – um, you know I, I had always thought that alcohol would be something that would that I would consider once I got to college or and you know because I'm a boy scout legal drinking age, but you know losing my older brother to a drunk driver and at ninety six at the age of seventeen, I just kind of said, "You know what, let's not contribute to this um that was a very personal reason um and I don't really attribute it to other people I try not to 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 project everybody has got their own histories and needs and violences. And like diseases and everything. So I will not, you know, you can't carry somebody else's luggage. And I'm really glad that uh, people who who choose to reach out to me reach out. We're all in this together. That's why we built this thing. This is a community first and foremost. We started as a community. It became a podcast. It became a website. It became all the things that it became. But please do not suffer in silence. Do not be ashamed. This is a no judgment zone. I know other geekscapists who are going through their own battles. You're not alone. Okay, and now we have Matt. <laughs> yeah, how are you? And I'm, I'm clean good. and
1: sober, so there you go.
0: I mean, how hard is that? Like, I, I don't know chemical dependency beyond soda. Like, I don't, I don't know it. So well, I mean, it's something that I, I feel, you know, I, I, I can't really talk about it that yeah, much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of really, uh, you know, making it a personal decision and then practicing that decision every day mm-hmm. on a daily basis is really what it comes down to. So for me... You know, I just knew that it was it was time. You know, I'd grown up going through, uh, you know, college and working in nightclubs where alcohol was free mm-hmm. all the time. and, and you Especially know, DJing and things and like DJing that. Because yeah. I was spinning in clubs. Sure. So, you know, I mean, when you're a college age kid, sometimes that's, you know, getting your records at a discounted for free and getting, uh, you know, having not to pay for your drinks when you're at that age and you're working hard for your money. That was a big deal at the time. But, you know, quite honestly, I just, I feel so much better being sober. I Mm -hmm. just feel good. I feel great every day. And even if I'm not having the best day, it's a better day because there's, (laughs) I was like, this is a true line. There's no problem that a drink can't make worse
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Maybe if, uh, if you're one of those people, which we call normies, who can, you know, have a drink and put it down. But, you know, I'm one of those guys who likes to do everything. In a, a bombastic, large way.
0: Do you think those people <laughs> exist? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, again, like I'm speaking from a from a place of inexperience. Do you think those people exist that that can pick up a drink and put it down? I mean, or is it just a varying degree? You know I, I mean? think
1: there are those who can because mm-hmm. I've seen it, but they're 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 not attracted to alcohol. They don't have that that gene. They don't have mm-hmm. that thing that you know makes them want to continue and continue and continue. You know that famous line. One is never enough, and a hundred. Well, one is too many, and a hundred is never enough. I'm coming up
0: with these but I've heard that. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that
1: one. Um, it, that's it, scary. It is. It is. It, so anyway, I mean, for me, I'm just I'm happy I get to hang out with you, and I'm not I'm not somewhere <laughs> drinking right now, so that's important.
0: Well, um, I'm glad you guys are all hanging out with us. Uh, so Matt, I don't even know where to begin. I wrote the, like a ton of notes. Uh, wanted to just uh, tell everybody like. Hey, uh, thanks for listening again after all this time. But um, it's tough to, to know where, you, where to get started with you because you have such an incredible history with me. It, I think my exposure to you started, of course, with 120 minutes in 95. Yeah. And uh, I was hanging out with my friend, Murray Jamora, who's an amazing director, really good music video director I went to, to grad school with. And uh, I told her I was going to have you on the show, and she flipped out. She was like, oh, my God, he he got me introduced to so many bands. And I think that's true for a lot of people with 120 minutes, uh, which ran from about ninety-five to ninety-nine in that first iteration that you were the host of. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. And it was on MTV, but like at midnight. You had to watch it at yes, midnight. Sunday nights at midnight. Sunday nights at midnight. And I remember I would have I would totally stay up for it because it was where you could actually see those videos. And as a fan of You know, I'd I'd long since discovered Green Day in 92, 93 on Kerplunk. And then that led me to the whole Lookout Records and East Bay punk scene, which, you know, led to like Op Ivy and Rance and all that stuff that I love to this day. Um, I couldn't see those bands. You know, in Austin, I'd maybe see them play Liberty Lunch once a year, but I never could see the videos for those bands. There was no internet. Your show was it. Yeah. But for someone like Marie living in the Philippines, They'd never heard of these bands until you brought them to the doorstep i mean what was your best source of finding out about music when you know mid you know in the mid eighties oh I would
1: you know I would go to record stores and read I would mm-hmm. scour record stores. I mean yeah. I
0: was one of those
1: guys. I'm just you know speaking of it, I'm a very proud geek
0: for <laughs> music
1: that you know i I just when I discovered David Bowie in the nineteen seventies. I realized that there was a lot more out there. Mm -hmm. And I went, wow, you know, this is not being played completely on the mainstream. And then I started to buy records because they were more interesting looking and, and, you know, or or the cover or there was a name on there that I knew from another artist that I liked, like a producer or, you know, if they did a guest spot. And that's how I would find out about things and just. Take chances.
0: Was that? I mean, was that glam? Was that the, the era of like Alice Cooper and all that stuff? Yeah, that stuff. It was like Bowie, T Rex,
1: you know, mm-hmm. early Queen, Martha Hoople. Um, Martha Hoople's amazing. Yeah, they're great. You know, there were so many. There were so many great things out at that time. But I loved uh, such a variety of music. You know, there were singer songwriters that I loved. There were you know, there was you know, prog rock that I loved. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a little bit of everything. Um, and I was just a sponge for music. So it just one hundred and twenty was the perfect vehicle for me to mm-hmm. be a part of, and I was already doing that through college radio at Rutgers University. And I would do summers on the radio, of Princeton, you know, playing new stuff for people, turning people on to new music, spinning in alternative clubs. You know what I mean? I even I spun at this club called The Melody that was really popular in uh, by Rutgers University. I mean, it was wild because you know, That's New Brunswick in New Brunswick. Right. You know, the same time I was going to school, so was Mario Batali. He was working in a he was uh, like literally making strombolis at Stuff Your Face, wow. which is a place there. James Gandolfini, Calista Flockhart, Jane Krasnowski, Kurt Sutter, Sons of Anarchy. And they're all, all in these that people area. were all in that area and all in school around the same time at mm-hmm. Rutgers. And that place to melody, everybody used to go there. And I used to spin alternative music there for people to dance to.
0: So you and- may have had something to do with like their. I mean, the creative burgeoning, you know what I mean? Like, because you're, you're introducing them to, to brand new tastes. Cause it, it would, I mean, I would imagine, and I remember doing college radio in Philly that uh, playing something that other people played was almost like, that's not fun. That's no, not cool. Was, you you, you want to introduce people. Always wanted
1: to yeah. and still have that. You know, I still have that in me. I mean, that I love to introduce people to new music and make sure they hear about it. Like if I did not have the platforms that I had through radio in college to commercial alternative radio in New Jersey, and then you know New York, and of course you know doing 120 minutes and shows like that. Um, that that was just the, my lifeblood. I'm still the same way. I'm always finding new artists that I really love, and I, I would have been on a soapbox trying to tell people about it, <laughs> or on the end of some bar, whatever. Right. You but know they, what I mean? that's a
0: very geek thing. Like that is the thing where it's like, oh, you've read that issue? Well, have you read? Blank, 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 yeah. and like the geeks are constantly—we geeks are constantly talking about the most vague comic or the most vague games. Or I mean, those are collectibles, yeah. And we we pride ourselves in it. I just got one of the Super NES minis. A friend of mine picked that up for me on Friday yeah. while I was in Austin. Um, and it, you know, they're rare to get these little mini Super Nintendos that have been reissued and they come prepackaged with twenty games. And I lucked into one. I was able to buy it and uh, and get a friend of mine to pick it up. But as soon as I posted it, everybody was like, "Well, it doesn't have this game on it," and yeah. it starts listing games I'd never heard of, like UN Force. I'd never heard of UN Force, you know. And I thought that I knew a lot of vague Super Nintendo games, but uh, I haven't even played the thing. Escape because I've been busy, but um, I'm excited to play it. But but I think that, that that's that's what, that's what makes us geeks is that yes, what, what is handed to us. Is not good enough, or is oftentimes not even trusted.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, and the things that are spoon fed to you in the regular media, whether that be the music culture or arts culture or any kind of comics or films, you're always looking for something that's a little different. It's past what's already going on. For me, I've always, you know, and it doesn't mean I'm giving yeah. up on the people that I love, but mm. I, but I'm always hungry for for new new artists and new songs.
0: Is, is it is it different what you're looking for or are you looking for a level of deeper resonance you know yeah, because for, it's a combination yeah, of the two because I always was like okay well that's really great but it's gone through so many filters by the time it got to me right that it doesn't say as much to me as these indie comics do right you know something
1: that has true passion that you're right has deeper really resonates with you Mm -hmm. and resonates with me that's what i look for i look for things that i feel you know are an extension of the way that i feel musically Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i I mean i'm a big lyrics guy too i love lyrics are very very important to me of course melody is too but i've always looked for really incredible things that, you know, would speak for the way I felt or, you know, that had messages that were, you know, just about real, real human condition or you, you actually learned something from, mm-hmm. you know. Where do you think that came from? Uh, like
0: prior to your time at Rutgers, prior to... to well, you know, my father was yeah. a
1: physicist um, even though he was a teacher in physics because he had kids and... But he was a brilliant man, you know what I mean? My father was incredible. He was, uh, he you know, he... He just was a very, very bright guy, and uh, I, I'm guessing that that's where some
0: of it comes from. I mean, maybe some right. of
1: it's hereditary.
0: Just looking for answers. Yeah, looking trying for to answers. see what is the next layer. Yeah, of something just beyond what you can see.
1: Right, and you know, but I kind of, I knew it, what what I wanted to do from a very young age. I mean, you know, at three years old, I was you know sitting in front of a record player, and I was just fascinated. With modern music at the time, and uh, and I didn't really want the kid records, the kitty records. I right, would throw those under the refrigerator. My mother said, and not until they moved the first time did they find all these records I had thrown. Oh under my god! There. Because In the I ones that want, they had given to you, yeah, the ones that were like the you know yeah. the, the really like yeah for Both kids and all that yeah stuff. that stuff. I was I, I didn't want it from the time I was three or four, and they thought that that was really quite humorous. I'm and sure it annoyed
0: them a little bit too. But. but I think all of us, like as an '80s kid, we were you know uh, uh, you would. Immediately wanted to take Teddy Ruxpin and put the put the Megadeth tape in it. Yeah, like immediately you were like, okay, well Teddy Ruxpin's great. You take the the the, the tape that came. remember Teddy Ruxpin, the talking little. Yes, it was I like a that. talking teddy bear, and you'd put a tape in it, and yeah. Teddy Ruxpin would narrate the story that was on the tape. And I don't know. Anybody I grew up with who actually listened to any of those Teddy Ruxman stories, we all just wanted to put a metal album, like a metal right, yeah, and, and, music have t- you know, and have Teddy Ruxpin start yeah. singing like a Maiden or something. Yeah, but That's great. I, I just watched, uh, well, I was with my dad for a week and, and Ken Burns' The Vietnam War was on. How was it, by the way? Because I love it, all his stuff. It's phenomenal. And, uh, and just looking at that level, I mean, just looking at how history repeats itself and how... We got ourselves into longer than Vietnam era wars, in in the Middle East. Currently, we're still going on with them. Uh, there's there's that question that people who the people who dodge dodge the draft are always the ones sending the kids to war, and it's. But what really like really we took from it was the question of was this our greatest era of music? This period between 1966 and 71, 72, or 1968 and seventy three. Where you just had these amazing acts and then everything did kind of turn into a more sensational cinematic, you know, uh, you think of Alice Cooper, you think of Kiss, you think of like the glam rock, which led to like the 80s. And then by the time it was the 80s, it was this corporatized hair metal, right? And we don't really see a resurgence of that kind of, you know, uh, independent artistry until kind of the stuff that was going on underneath it with like the black flag and like everything that's in that book, Uh, this band could be your life. Like, that's an amazing book. But then you start getting into, like, the late 80s, early 90s, and it kind of sets the stage for R.E.M. and Nirvana and these groups to start coming out of it. Is there kind of like a 15-year gap in these things, or is there always
1: music? I think, you know, there's always music. But, I mean, there was was certainly a rich, really productive, creative era from when you're talking about... Where I would say it says sixty six. I would say probably starting really around sixty five, but mm-hmm. you know, it was incredible, and it was there was something brilliant coming out. What do you think that was every day? I think that their people who were really, really using their minds, and were really, you know, not well, they were they were pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. of of what they could do instru- with instrumental. Uh, their instrumental, God, I can't even talk today. Sorry about that. It's I'm good. tired. I was up watching the coverage of the. uh, of the shooting in yeah. Vegas all I, night. I think so you
0: just I'm have to kind take of, the facts when something like that yeah. happens. Just take the facts and be like, you know what? I don't think there are going to be any... There's not, not going to be much more and you have to turn it off. It's really hard. It is. It's really hard to not get addicted to that cycle and then you just realize that the next few hours are just going to be an echo chamber of what yeah. you foresaw saw in the first. Absolutely. And you're just punishing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, and, and getting
1: back to that, I just want to say, you know, I think that not mm-hmm. only... Were they incorporating in those periods of time different styles of music and, you know, whether it was some jazz chops or classical or Baroque to, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things where it was highly competitive, but I don't think people really saw it in that competition the way that even the press would make it out to be. I think people were just very, really expressive. And you'd come from an era after the beat generation of people that were, you know, really questioning authority, mm-hmm. questioning things that were going on around the world. And I I love that era of music. I mean, there are so many great things. And it really reflected also in the pop world at that time. Yeah,
0: comic books. That is Marvel Comics right there. That yes. is the real era of Marvel Comics. And Stan and Jack and Ditko and all those guys had established the new Marvel universe. It was popular. But then, mid sixties into the early seventies, you start to get that seven. By the time you have Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange in the seventies, you're yeah. like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, like, absolutely. Love Silver music. Surfer. It's amazing. <laughs> if you're not reading uh, Dan Slott, Mike Alred Silver Surfer, that's currently the the current run. I just caught up with it this morning, and it's one of my favorite runs on Silver Surfer. It's amazing. Do you? Uh, speaking of which, when yeah. it comes down to uh,
1: graphic novels and things like that, will you? Check out things that are written, you know, by musicians too, and some of the things they um, do.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gerard Way has his entire line at yeah. DC. He has that whole Young Animal line, and I am reading Bug again because it's drawn by Mike Alred. And Mike Alred's a bit of a musician yeah. file. He did Red Rocket Seven, that that book that had a bunch of musicians in it. He he did a kind of jam session of. Uh, he did this art piece with the main characters of the comic, and he even named a Madman character Moth the Hoople. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you got to so, love. Like, <laughs> I, I loved it. And um, and music, to me, I, I never played an instrument, but I always had this visual need, and so I always wanted to do music videos, and that kind of led me into filmmaking, was just wanting to do, do music videos, and <laughs> by the time, and Geekscape, as you've heard this story before, uh, when I was shooting... For real big fish, I remember sitting in the in like at lunch with everybody. And Scott, who's been such a great friend of mine, <laughs> Scott says, "Hey, wasn't our isn't our budget for this video this like the same as our entire wardrobe budget was for the last video?" <laughs> I just realized how the budgets were falling apart, and I had to find something else to shoot. You know, but yeah, I could have made a career shooting music videos. I loved them so much. Yeah, you know, but the budgets just aren't there, you're shooting advertisements for phones that are in your music video at this point. Right, exactly. But, uh, yeah, um, I think I think uh, comic books written by musicians have a certain level of uh, vibrancy Yeah. that, I mean, as somebody who's written comics before, I sometimes get hung up on getting pulled into a narrative uh, need that's film-based. Like, I want to break into a rhythm that I feel whenever I sit down with something like Final Draft, and you just write dialogue and description. Dialogue and description. In in having to do some of the math of breaking down panels and pages, so that you do things like you make sure your narrative turn happens when you turn a page, and then the you know the next page is your big surprise. Uh, it feels like shot listing, storyboarding, and writing at the same time. Yeah. And its and there's and I and I don't love it. <laughs> I think yeah. as a musician that level of mathematical design is inherent to them. Yes. And so they turn something that actually flows pretty well. Right. And it has rhythm to it.
1: Did you like the the Emory Wars? You know, Claudio Sanchez? The Yeah.
0: Yeah, from, uh,
1: you know... He, from Coheed and Cambria. Cohen and Cambria, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I signed them to the Columbia Records, yeah. you know, and I we loved them. You went corporate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, w- <laughs> I was for a little while. Boy, I had a front row seat for, um, you know, for, for the successes I had. I also had that front row seat as an AR guy for records you love and artists you love and then them not getting the shot they deserve and boy it's heartbreaking
0: in in those years that you were at Columbia I remember hanging out with uh, my friend Sean Neal who was in a uh, back in Austin he was in a band called Dynamite Boy and we heard auto-tuning for the first time like for like, like an album's worth of auto-tuning and it was about 2002 2003 and I was like they can't be serious. This this uh, this can't this is, this is like they're they're fucking around, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Like this isn't real. And now auto-tuning seems to be the name of the game, which is really troubling to me.
1: It's well, I can't stand it. I hate to say it. it I, I just, you know, I, I, I auto-tune the problem is it just makes it way too easy for somebody who doesn't have a great voice or has a very average voice. I mean, I I would prefer they stick to actually writing songs for other people who could actually sing sure. them instead of using And there's no shame tune. in that. But yeah. I,
0: there's no shame in that. I was just telling someone last week that uh, that John from uh, uh, Goldfinger yeah. does a lot of work as a producer and as a songwriter for other people. Some of them are like some really big pop groups. Yeah. John's great. And there's no shame in that. Like... You know, um, I was having a lot of nostalgia in Austin last week, driving around being like, oh, God, all these albums I used to listen to and the band- bands I used to and go to see. And what were they? What were some of
1: those?
0: Well, it was all that stuff. It was like, I I, I, rem- I remember... remember you mentioned Real Big Fish, right? And yeah, then, I shot some music videos and things. And that's Real Mojo Fish. Records, just yeah. like
1: uh, Goldfinger.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I met John through Real Big Fish, and... Uh, and I remember just talking to him because we both had ACL reconstructions in our knees. Yeah, <laughs> but, he's uh, a great guy. God. He's amazing, and just seeing the the amount of talent he's worked with. But growing up in Austin, uh, you wanted everything to be different. I remember my older brother Daniel being into all the skater stuff. He was into yeah. all the metal stuff. My first tape was Billy Idol. Yeah, like and then Billy Idol. Which one what, was it? The Rebel oh, Yell album. Yeah, it was that it? Was that main one that Art had all the, the hits on it? Yeah. So and, uh, and then there was
1: the one Billy Otto right before with White Wedding
0: on it. Yeah, it was, no, it was, it was that, definitely the hits. It was the the one, definitely the hits type. Oh, it was the best, greatest hits. No, mean, it was, it, I think it was the, the one where I get yeah. out of face, yeah. Rubble
1: Yell, and, and Catch My Fall. And, and so that. Yeah.
0: Uh, I remember getting that tape when I was maybe 10, and that got me into, my brother was always listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers and all the stuff that stoners and skaters would listen to in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And that led me to a store on the Dragon in Austin called uh, Sound Exchange. In Sound Exchange, you could flip through CDs and take the CDs over to the player and just listen to them. And, and that's where I first saw like Kerplunk and being a comic book fan and seeing like that little girl with a daisy shirt on the yes. cover of Ker- Kerplunk and being like, w- I have to listen to this. What is this? And then listening to that album and then look, seeing that it was Lookout Records and then Lookout Records leads you to uh, Operation Ivy. And Operation yes. Ivy starts leading, you know. and Rancid, of course. And then Rancid, like we... My friend's booked a basement show for Rancid in 94. Yeah. And, and and just being like, "Oh my god, now now there's a community." And of course that leads me to my favorite band of all time, The Mr. T Experience. But <laughs> 2 weeks ago I watched They're this, great this I love The Mr. T Experience. I shot a music video for them last year. Oh, you did? I I love I said, "Frank, I'll pay for it. Let's go." <laughs> I just love I love them so much. And I love rare labor love.
1: That says a lot about you,
0: John.
1: <laughs> I mean seriously. <laughs> I it mean, really does.
0: Well, I believe in that music and uh and and it got me through so much you know it's like my older brother w- was killed on a road when I called him that night and asked him to return a no effects c d you know, and he was like, "Hold on, I gotta drop my girlfriend off first, and you know, and I said, okay, and he went and they both were hit, and my my dad and I'm I i am so sorry about well, that well i man. mean that that happened, and it happens and in and, and now, whenever I listen to no effects especially. Uh, you know, my trash two heaps and a bean with Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yeah, that was that, like that is that night. Like that is looking across the room at 1.40 a.m. seeing the phone ringing knowing that when you pick that phone up it's totally different. And Is that record hard for you to listen to? At this no, point? no, it, it's celebratory, and if you don't turn it, make it celebratory, then 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 it wins. Then the the bad shit wins.
1: Yeah, it's just like you last know? night with the guy yeah. who who opened fire in Vegas. We're not going to stop going to see concerts. We're not no. going to start gathering as people to enjoy music that gives us elation.
0: You can't I mean, do you that know. stuff. Like I'm, I'm. I'm going to, I, I I bought less than Jake tickets. I was like, I mean, that was the kind of music I listened to. Yeah. It was like that pop, punk, it's all great sky stuff. stuff that came out of it. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I mean, when, I'd love to see No Effects again. You know, I'd, uh if, if I could have a band back, I would have, probably have Tony Sly of No Use for a Name back. Because yeah. like him dying is like, I remember passing up going to see him in concert. And then he died and being like, oh God, like a, that music ends. Yeah. Um, no use for a name.
1: I got to tell you, one of my favorite stories was that they were here in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. like in this area, and close to Orange County, and they were doing a big punk festival. It was the same night back in, I guess, 94, 95, that I met Fat Mike the first time. Oh, and yeah. We became friends, but he was pissed at MTV because, um, I guess they had submitted a video, no effects, and no, eff- and MTV turned him down. It was before I got there. Yeah. Because I was a fan of the bands, but I got and I got there, and he was like, you know, man, I'm cool with you, but I, I you know, they 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 basically screwed us over. Like so I'm not making eye, videos like the for The linoleum
0: anyway. video, yeah, like they had that linoleum video. They had yeah. something stick in my eye. Yeah, I think those are the two videos they did for uh, Punk and Drublick. Yeah, and
1: they were just they just decided they weren't going to submit their videos to MTV, <laughs> but he and I struck up a friendship you know and, and Mike in fact he just literally reached out to me about two weeks ago because we like to ride bikes so I, when I That's went awesome. up to my place up in San Francisco we were going to go and go do some bike running but um, you know uh, I when I think about you know all that music at that period of time you were talking about No Use for a Name I just had to tell you this really yeah, crazy yeah. story that they, they were playing this festival and all of a sudden there was you know it was a family day even though it was a punk rock punk and skate festival mm-hmm. so there was a gigantic Barney, okay? There was a big Barney. It was made out of... The
0: purple dinosaur.
1: Yeah, purple dinosaur. Yeah, yeah for, for the kids. Yeah, and it was literally there for kids to play on and run through. And the guys in <laughs> <had> no <laughs> use could for a name... an hour. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the guys in no use for a name proceeded to ask the audience <laughs> to destroy the Barney. <laughs> oh, God. And... They literally did, and no use for name had to run off the property and hide because the police were after them. Sure. They basically
0: we were going like to be arrested castle, and put in and they jail. They just destroyed this bounce castle. They destroyed the bounce castle. There's another festival actually, October 28th, and, and it's it's the Punk and Drublick festival that No Fax yeah. is putting on. Like Strung Out is playing and said, so, but I can't go because we have Stanley's LA Comic Con. But yeah, um, no, I mean that what, what that music showed me was like uh, that 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 there was a community that we could do basement shows and then we could start taking those basement shows and putting them in uh, in clubs in Austin yeah. and we weren't even 16 yet you know i remember the bouncing like putting on a bouncing soul show in a in a pool hall because you know because my mom's boyfriend owned a pool hall that is so cool and uh, and a fight broke out a window was smashed, we could only pay the Bouncing Souls $35, and I remember... I bet they were cool about it, though. They came and played my radio show a couple of years later in Philly, and totally remembered, and were totally cool about it. I, I love those guys. You know, they're and from my hometown, they're, they're from New Brunswick. amazing. Is Lifetime also from New Brunswick? Yes, Lifetime's from there, too. Jersey's best dancers. Amazing, amazing album, amazing band. I mean, you got uh, Midtown,
1: who formed around
0: there Thursday. Midtown also played my radio show. Uh, fantastic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Thursday, signed them right. to
1: Columbia too. Actually, I did forget what it you.
0: Could, know. And then that was in that. So I always ra- thought I always thought the drive through up uh, stream was to Capitol.
1: Yeah, it was different at this point. There was a little bit of because um, I shot music videos for a lot of yeah for for, for Richard and Stephanie for Richard and Stephanie. I started yeah. shooting music videos for Richard and Stephanie. Yeah. Now these we're talking about Richard and Stephanie Rains who run drive through. I knew them when they were fourteen and thirteen years old. They used to come into a record store and their hair was up like mike peters from the alarm sure so they had like this this kind of rooster cut going on but i i loved them and yeah. they were my you know they were great kids and they were into cool music you know they were buying ned's atomic dustbin and the wonder stuff and
0: Geekscape we are so in uh side baseball right now but you yeah sorry understand. about this no no this is us being geeks. so you <laughs> yeah. signed up for it yeah you no, downloaded Geekscape. we're so, talking about this brother and yeah. sister who yeah. started
1: a record label and they, they gave
0: they, me some of my first music videos and yeah.
1: and which ones were they
0: um, I shot for, when they started their second label, their sub-label, because I think they, because they lost Newfound Glory to, to Capitol, they lost Midtown to Capitol, they started losing their bands to Capitol. Yes. Um, or MCA. It was Dashboard MCA. Confessional were yeah. one, too. And, uh, and when they saw that, they started a sub-label, and I remember sh- shooting a video for a band called Houston Calls, I remember shooting videos for, um, what was the name of that, Hell Goodbye? Yeah. And then oh, I like those guys. And then I remember, uh, they had a band, I think... I mean, obviously, uh, Jack Antonoff's done amazingly well, but meeting Jack uh, from Bleachers on when he was still... Steel like, Train. Steel Train. Yeah. Steel Train just being an amazing band. Um, hey, he's killing it right now, Jack. Jack is doing amazing. And Having written <laughs> hits for Taylor Swift <laughs> and Lord, And you're watching him. in Geekscape, But if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, you can see Jack and I sitting down, I think, in uh, South by Southwest a few years ago and talking about the last Steel Train album they put out. But when they went indie like it was over like jack jack just knows how to do it and he i'm does. so happy for him he's a great songwriter and he's, he's a amazing. really
1: great guy as well
0: richard Stephanie had a band on drive through called house of fools out of New- north carolina yeah and and richard kept calling them the best band he ever signed and i one of their songs popped up over the weekend and it made me want to reach out to the guys and be like what uh are you guys still making music cuz it's phenomenal and if i end up filming anything like, the one habit that I get into as a filmmaker is I ask my musician friends for music. Yeah. And, like, Scott from Real Big Fish scored a lot of stuff for, he scored the entire Sizzle trailer for Hero of the Prophecy, which is a fantasy movie we are trying to make. Cool. Um, and Sean Neal and I have talked about making some music, but, uh, and obviously I would reach out to Dr. Frank, but um, I've always thought that music and filmmaking and comic books, like, it was all the same thing. I just never learned to play an instrument. I was just never able to contribute in the same way I could contribute to film or comics. But or, the great thing else.
1: is, I mean, you know, you obviously, everybody could feel your love and passion for it.
0: Well, it's amazing. Because know? it's music like,
1: is, is just like a film
0: and everything.
1: Right.
0: You can be so moved by something. And you're getting into TV and film. Matt, is that true? Like, like you want to pursue some of this stuff? Yeah, well, I have, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, obviously, you've, you've had TV shows. Yeah,
1: and I've, I hosted a bunch, and I was a guest on Portlandia, like, mm-hmm. season three, that really funny episode they did on Take Back MTV, <laughs> which was really, we were, you were breaking into the, uh, you know, the fictional MTV offices. Yeah, and
0: how do you feel about mu- music television being removed from MTV, Well, the subtitle I of mean, music television? It long since not been a music television, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it was only appropriate that they take that out of
1: there at that period of time. Because,
0: (laughs) you know, it's mostly reality shows and
1: uh, has been for quite a long time.
0: I guess if you want MTV, you go to YouTube, which is kind of what's happening.
1: That's it now, you know. And I mean, they have MTV Classic. They launched and and folded VH1 Classic into that. But um, you're right. Young people look online to check out their things. It's so easy and so quick. Is so it, there's, but the, but
0: the only issue is the curation. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And is, I mean, it's got to be frustrating to you. Is it frustrating no. just to just see, like, to see things like, oh, this is just going to be a fad, auto tuning won't take over. And then all of a sudden you see it not only take over, but lead to more. <laughs> and more and now it sounds like i'm listening to transformers rap at me and i'm like what is
1: this yeah i think you know for me i you know i realize that everything evolves everything changes for better or for worse Mm -hmm. and really depends on your musical taste um and you know i just understand that it's such a different world from when we were doing mtv and, and it was great because like you said where you were and were you know where other people were they were in a lot of places where they didn't have exposure to new music and, mm-hmm. and and to new artists and that's why 120 was so special. I was so grateful to have the opportunity to to host that show and to seriously help curate because I was in the music department too so you know I, we would watch all the videos that were submitted you know and uh we would I would basically say, oh yeah, that's great we should show that on 120 or so you know at that period of time that was how you found out about new music unless you had you were one of the people who had one of the 13 or 14 alternative stations that were commercial that were in your area or college radio of course right. you know that was the only way you you could find out other than that and but it but that's why those shows were so important
0: and i mean like the, the level of cur- curation the level of expertise that i mean i think seems to be ignored today I don't, th- I don't know where it is. I think that there's really not a whole lot of form to anything anymore. Like, where I mean, do I think How do we get that back so that people, uh, so that there's access to great bands? Yeah. There's access to great music. And that, I mean, it seems like our, our cultural soundtrack has yeah. just become diluted. It's true. Well, I think, you know,
1: curation is very important. I think to have the human element, that side of it, and knowing that it's, it's a voice of someone that you trust whether it be you or I or somebody right. else, uh, for a way to find out about things. Cause basically, if you, if you have that trust, it's almost like what they do with, if you like this, you, you like this. If, if this is what you're into, check this out as well. You know, you know, you have that with some of the streaming services. Yeah. And, but it's still, there's something about human curation that's really important. And that's what I do. And, you do and i love that i'll we'll talk about your i'll show. never stop
0: doing that um what do you record here I, all right never you know what in. i do
1: i do a show called two hours of matt pinfield that's on in 20 cities you know it's on in chicago and, and minneapolis and nashville and buffalo and tucson can you hear it online it, you can stream it from those yeah. radio stations yeah. um and so what i do is i play new music at night you know and i always expose a new trending track every single evening i throw so some throwbacks to the 90s cuz obviously people remember me being on tv then i'm also between that i'm on lithium on serious i you know i'm basically the storyteller i i do what i do and that's Tell stories so you'll hear me come on and tell you the background on a song or a really cool story or awesome. on an album. And um, so I have that show. I do a classic rock history show called Flashback, which I took over seven years ago. But I think, you know, I also want to mention that I wrote a book about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came out. It was through Simon and & Schuster and Scribner called All These Things That I've Done, My Insane and Improbable Rock Life. And the book, uh, thanks to people like Howard Stern and, and Opie, uh, you know, it got some love out there. But uh, and it did well for a while. It's it's genre specific, but if right. you're interested in in some music history, there, it's a my life story basically. But it's also a guide to music at the same time. And this it's your soundtrack too. Like yeah. you're telling
0: people like what bounced you here to there to there.
1: Yeah, it does. And you know, it, the title of it, all all these things that I've done, comes from. The Killers' song, because the song was inspired by an event that happened when I'd met Brandon Flowers and was trying to sign the Killers to Columbia Records. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd gotten a phone call over Columbia from the U.S. Army asking me if I would come and mentor soldiers who were returning from Iraq who were musicians that were either wounded or, 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 you know... Basically, it was wounded soldiers and people that were just real music fanatics. Music was their thing. So they put on an event in Colorado City, Colorado. And for a couple of days, I was there actually mentoring soldiers. So How was that? It was amazingly rewarding, right. to tell you the truth. It really was. I, I I loved being there. And a lot of them were people that had known me from watching me on, on television or listening to me on the radio and They were just, it was just an incredible opportunity for me to do something good for some other people. And I, uh, I I love the experience. And I flew right from Colorado, Colorado, where the Army was, where this Army event happened, to Vegas to try and sign the killers. And Mm -hmm. their old manager picked me up in the car with Robert Reynolds, who manages them now, and was their attorney. And it's kind of like, I call it the Vegas Mafia because. His brother is the singer of Imagine Dragons and his other brother is the manager of Imagine Dragons. Wow. So the Killers of Imagine Dragons are related in that, like they're all part of that scene there. But I got went there and I watched the Killers play in their drummer, Ronnie Vannucci's parents' garage. Wow. And they already had songs like Mr. Brightside written already and Smile Like You Mean It. and Yeah, that's
0: they were incredible. About,
1: they were about to write Somebody Told Me. And the amazing thing was uh i that night we, we took him out to dinner like any label would do you know and then i was going back to my hotel and i was going through like a midlife crisis kind of thing at that period of time not in that really corny like typical way sure but i was going through a marriage that was ending so i was you know, I started talked about, i
0: think <laughs> about mine two episodes ago yeah <laughs> so you know i mean <laughs> I yeah it. i may or may not have uh come back from austin fairly depressed <laughs> yeah no you know it's one of those things and uh you know,
1: I, I was doing a lot of soul searching, and Brandon, I just say to the guys, I'm like, hey, can somebody give me a ride back to my hotel? So Brandon Flowers says, oh, I'll drive you back. And this is a time when he was still a bellboy at one of the hotels. Wow. They all had jobs in Vegas, the killers, where all their jobs were basically, you know, working around the strip. Yeah, doing it's all stuff.
0: service industry. I think that's yeah. 90% of the jobs in Vegas are yeah, service industry absolutely. jobs. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, you know, one was running a urine for, you know, sporting events. Going to do urine testing. The other one was working in one of the, you know, like immediate marriage chapels. Right. uh, Right. You know, so they they had a really interesting view of what was going on in Vegas in their hometown. So Brandon says, "I'll drive you." So we get in his AMC, and there's two cassettes. Because at this point, you got to remember. I mean, they weren't the band they are today. They just had their first number one album ever. But they are this band. They have longevity, and they're an incredible band. He has two cassette tapes in his car. He has The Beatles 62 to 66, which is a compilation of early Beatles recordings, and the soundtrack to the movie Help. So he goes, "What do you feel like hearing?" And those are your options. And right I there. go, "Let's listen to Help." So we're driving down the strip and it's not a long drive. So, mm-hmm. you know, to get to my hotel, which was the Las Vegas Hilton that night. And I remember he and I singing top of our lungs, "Help." The night before, and you got to hide your love away. It was a short drive, so you know what I mean. There, you right. go. That's probably about nine, times, eleven minutes, minutes or yeah. something. Nine, ten minutes. And then he came in with me, and we sat and and we had we had a drink at a bar uh on the side of Las Vegas Hill. And then it was a quiet night. There was just like nobody but me and Brandon in there. And we just started. He started asking me questions about my life, and and what was going on in it currently and i because i was going through a divorce and you know i there's i had a lot of doubts about certain things and wasn't sure about certain moves he took that conversation as well as the saying that he came up with from what i had just done mentoring the Mm -hmm. soldiers and he brought the lyrics to all these things that i've done so that i got sold, but i'm not a soldier yeah was about my experience with with this mentoring those soldiers wounded soldiers
0: about music and, you know it's funny? When we were shooting the Hell, one of the Hell Goodbye videos, one of the guys in Hell Goodbye was singing that line on repeat. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it, great. I, mean, I, you know, I remember it. I remember we were in Seal Beach it shooting was, by the pier. It was surreal to
1: me because the next day their manager at the time, Braden Merrick, called me and said, hey, you know, you just inspired a song that Brandon just wrote. Uh, you know, he wrote this song about your, you know, hanging out with you last night. And I had no idea what it was going to sound like. And then a year, few years later, it's 2008, I think uh-huh. it was. Was it 2000? No, it wasn't it was 2008. Little, it was like seven. Well, 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 no, I'm, I'm gotta, I've got to go back. I know. Sure. I don't mean the song. I okay. mean when they played live eight. That's sure. why I said 2008. It. Okay. And it wasn't live. It wasn't sure. 2008. It was like 2003 or four. Okay. But watching them. Do the song with a choir in front of 150,000 like, people was surreal for me. I mean, be. it was un. It was amazing. I was just, you know, I was numb. So I First think I shot that video in 05 Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, it's. But I love that. I love the song. It's incredible. Uh,
0: and I mean, uh, how did you get it? I mean, as somebody who like literally, I went out with a to a friend of mine's place last night where she was having a housewarming, and I could, I was so spiraling that I you know, couldn't even talk to anybody. And these are like my longtime friends and I couldn't even talk to anybody. It was such a mood. Um, was that, that over I, a
1: divorce? Yeah.
0: And I just, just, yeah, I came back from, like, I, I, it, it makes you feel like a failure. And like, you're like, how can I not keep this up? Like, how could I not keep this together? And you go, and you end up mind effing yourself with your, with every decision you make for the next year or two or three. And I'm sitting yeah. going, okay, I'm ready for this to end, but I don't know how to end. <laughs> I don't know how to end we, this. Oh, you know, you know what, I mean? know what that's like. I, yeah.
1: mean, I mean, I can tell you I can relate to you completely in that way because
0: so you go on autopilot. Thank God for Geekscape. I'm here every Monday. Yeah. Like so you do the things on autopilot. And a friend of mine called me out. and was like, "Jonathan, you're like I'm looking at your social media. You're on autopilot. Like you're doing the happy face. Like I can almost tell to the minute when you're going to post something new that is positive and this and that because everything behind it is just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, can relate to I don't that. know, Matt. Like I don't know what the hell. Thank God I don't have a chemical dependency no, like yeah. what is happening? Yeah. Well, you know? you know
1: that's that never really helps and and you know from somebody who comes from you know who who did use chemicals and, and alcohol mm-hmm. to uh you know to deal with issues that were lifelong issues um it it never really helps or it helps temporarily. It's crazy. You know? It's you know they say it's you know it's uh, it, it's really it's, it's a temporary gain for for a long term
0: pain. All, all, all <laughs> I can think escape is um, because you are starting to witness me actually talk about this stuff. It's like I just have to fight to be more productive and fight to create more things and be more vocal and outgoing with some of you guys because it's starting to come back to me as you know as i read at the top of the show like that was a great letter by the way i i I was floored and um i didn't know what you know it's it's, uh nobody owes me anything all right geeks is like like nobody should be ashamed of keeping you know nobody should feel like they have to walk a straight line because of this or that um you know i'm intensely flawed i think we're, we're seeing oh and, and, and it's just the way it is and uh we are and, all and, flawed. And we, are, we are only whole together you know we we only fit with other parts and others and that's about it uh go ahead and make sex jokes <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is only when we're whole is, yeah. is is as a community and that's why when you lose a part of the community it really hurts um that's why something last night really hurts that's why hopes and prayers i hate to politicize it aren't going to get us through this and politicians saying hopes and prayers aren't going to get us through this change is going to get us through this and decisions are going to get us through this and actually making change is going to get us through this um, because we're bleeding yeah. literally bleeding um, and it's on repeat uh, you know on the macro it is global wars and on the micro it is these instances of just craziness um, but what can you do? Um, you can't just blame a cycle because it's an evolution. And you can't refuse to evolve because you think it's just going to fall back to itself. Yeah. That's insanity. That is literally the definition of insanity is. is repeating something and thinking things are going to change. It's true. It's, it, But that's all we're hearing is hopes and prayers and this is something that we can't change. This is who we are as a society. It's like, Come on, kiss my yeah. ass! Come on, Canada, go ahead and invade us. Can somebody invade us? That's A- crazy aliens, times. you can invade us now. We're ready to be harvested for food. <laughs> Soylent Green, let's do it. Um, what was the first record you ever bought, Matt? Uh, well, the first record
1: that I ever bought. Now I'm trying to decide if you mean with my money or
0: with your my money. The one that you like had, you know, like when I bought Sonic the Hedgehog on, on my Genesis. Like saving up money for Sonic the Hedgehog in the Genesis was so huge for me. What was like the thing you saved up for, and you're like, I'm walking down the store, and I can't wait to get it. You know, there's there's so many records. I,
1: I one of them was uh, that thing called the Greatest Rock and Roll Hits that was on television. It was like a four album set of oldies, actually, believe it yeah. or not, stuff from like you know pre Beatles, fifties sure. up, and um, that was one of the things because I thought, wow. Look, if there's 64 songs, th- that's worth $6. Yeah. So you mow lawns and you
0: do whatever you have to do. And you have 64 songs. Yeah. And the what? other
1: record was uh, Clean's Clearwater Revival's Cosmos Factory album, uh-huh. which was, you know, I was like, you know, a young kid and I was mowing lawns and delivering papers to pay for my re-
0: record habit. my <laughs> I am a rec- <laughs> completely a music that's, geek. and I that's just I just with comics. It's like, you know, it's yeah. a habit. Yeah. When I go to pick it up, I'm like, where's my dealer? Well, I still do sure.
1: that. You know, I go out and buy records that I already have, and that's because if I don't have them with me. The thing about getting divorced and, and, moving it's tactile. and changing, yeah.
0: You, you have to have it. Like, I, it's in like
1: comics. I can't yeah. do
0: digital comics. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I
1: can't. yeah. You got to hold them in uh-huh. your hand. I mean, I, it's a tangible thing, it's real. You yeah. know, I, I know how you feel because I love that. I just love holding a record in my hand or a yeah. CD or something. Yeah. That,
0: Half my storage unit is comics.
1: Yeah. So that's amazing yeah. that you told me that. You know why? Because your storage unit—I have one storage unit in uh, in New Jersey that is literally, you know, filled with vinyl and CDs and comic books and books. And then I have the rest of my house from Jersey is now in a container on a right. freight yard there in Port Newark because wow. my friend who uh, you know owns a transportation sure. company. I know when you hear that, you're thinking Sopranos, right? No. But anyway. Season two of The Wire. Don't worry. Yeah, okay. There you go. So, my, one of my best friends I grew up with since I was uh, you know seven years old, he owns this big trucking company. And he said, look, man, you're moving to San Francisco, and you don't really have time because they want you to go on the air immediately. So. Right. He goes I'm going to send some guys over just make sure you tip them all and we'll get two trucks and he moved all my stuff Holy in crap. there. Well cuz San Francisco's so yeah. expensive um and yes. you never know what you're going to get. I mean I was literally going there sight unseen. I've been to San Francisco not to be before. On the street. But you know yeah getting a relocation apartment for 45 days and then looking for uh, real estate in one of the cities It's the hardest in the country. Luckily I met some local right. cool people. And it was a word of mouth thing. So I never, ever went on Craigslist. But I'm just going to say, you and I, you're talking about your, all your you comic books. It. And I'm talking about my, all my records and stuff that are there. So what happened? I started buying some of the same stuff again. Just used, to have it. To have it with right. me. Cause have it I, available. It,
0: it feels, you know, I feel. You don't want that tanker to sink. Yeah. Or the, the, what is it? Like, like, wait, your stuff is all in water right now? No, it's they, they, okay. it's actually it's on it, it's, a yard, It's on a, a yard, freight okay. yard, got it, got it. yeah, and it's <laughs> okay. locked up pretty well. Um, but yeah. everything's in there. There's gold records in there. There's you know, you gotta have it. You name it. And CD won't cut it. Will CD cut it with you, or will digital cut it with you? Because um, on music, I've gone digital. On comics, I can't. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I I I've CDs too. A lot, mm-hmm. Tons of them. I mean, I you know, because CDs of course were a decade were we we're, were a decade plus. So yeah. I've t- I have a lot of CDs and a lot of vinyl. So I and I like both. And I was never one of those guys that goes was too precious about CDs because there are some great collections of music that came out on CDs and albums that we love, that's the first way we ended up hearing them.
0: And like the digital transition, is that something that, like, I mean... I was
1: actually very excited about it when it first happened in the early 80s. I went out and bought one of the earliest uh, CD players, it was a Sony CD player. And I went to Crazy Eddie's record store in uh, New Jersey. Yeah. And right? yeah, it's famous. You know, it was, uh, I think the guy ended up in jail, in prison, <laughs> who owned it. But uh, regardless, I went there and bought the f- earliest c- CDs that they had, and everything then was either produ- uh, It was either, uh, I'm sorry, the production was done in Germany, or it was done in the UK mm-hmm. or Japan. U.S. was not pressing CDs yet, so wow. I was buying imports at first.
0: Because I'm guessing it was Sony and all these different. Players that, that, yeah. would, that would make the actual players that were pushing the technology. Yeah, just like you have Apple. I mean, really, the, Apple's really pushing. I mean, Apple makes the iPod, but Apple's really got a vested interest in pushing digital music. Yeah, in fact, so much so that they stopped manufacturing the iPod. Right, which is upsetting because I well, I have three of them. Well, now they need you to buy a phone. Yeah, because now they're pushing well, now, so I much mean, more than just. But music. I do
1: stream right. Apple and stream Spotify, and I and I do still buy tangible albums, and you know cds if that's the only way it'll come out but i use both because i mean i do love the immediacy mm-hmm. of spotify and apple music that you know when you're looking for something like oh man i haven't heard that song that song by you know sure. sonic youth and
0: whatever I'm i gonna- did that today i threw up a vandal song i was sitting there listening yeah. i kind of wanted to hear this vandal song i was like do i have that and if I don't, I know how to cure it yeah, immediately. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I love that. That's the thing that I think is beautiful about it. Of course, you're not going to find everything on there. Sure. If your music geeks like we are, then you're going to know you, there's definitely some missing things on there. Yeah. But generally, you can find enough to keep yourself entertained. And uh, so I I, I yeah. embrace new technology, of course. And when, like I, I was so excited about CDs when they came out that I literally... Through a party to play my
0: CDs? Are you serious? For my friends in college? Yeah, we we're like, like, "What is this? Come
1: over, man. Remember here. the wedding
0: singer? Where he's like, "It's a compact disc. When yeah. He's trying to explain to uh, Drew Barrymore's character the CD, the, yeah. the condescending fiance that she has.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So if you know, there's a. It, Oh, I got to say, you're also one of the uh, only people that's ever been on Geekscape. You're the only person who's ever been I- inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, if I'm actually honored the the of there. Of Fame, you're honored.
1: Honored, yeah, honored there.
0: Honored there is a little get different inducted. than inducted. We're going to get you
1: inducted. Well, would that, you have to play an great. instrument to be inducted? No. No, what you do can No, you you I mean, Clive Davis, who was just here uh, in the studio with me doing, um, you know, flashback, he's obviously in there. Um, I was honored there. They brought me down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They made a list of people that they wanted to speak that they said they were going to honor. so. In May of two thousand eight, I went and spoke at the Rock Hall. Are you shaking? No, I but I was like, so happy shit. to be there. It was it's incredible, insane. you know. And I also vote for uh, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. I'm not on the nominating board, sure. but I'm, I uh, I get a ballot. You know what I mean? Um, so I already know
0: who's nominated this year, but I can <laughs> I wish I could say it um, because you, I, I wanted to ask you just about the last ten years of music because I've it, it, to me it, it it's felt really tough. Um, you know, uh, to find new stuff. And because you're, sometimes you focus on the 80s and 90s and some of your your content that you're that you're curating and bringing up bands from the 80s and 90s. Well, like, out of the last 10 years, what do you think is the, the stuff that has to be listened well, to? Well, I
1: love this band called Royal Blood, mm-hmm. who are, um, they're a two-piece from England, from Brighton, uh, England, which is, you know, the famous beach town where the Who's... Celebrated in Quadrophenia, the mods and the rockers. Sure. Their big war, which really happened back then in the sixties. Um, really, the Mope- yeah, did yeah, like, that whole hills. thing. Really, yeah. took place. It was a movie. The they beat each other up there. Oh, Jesus, it was a, it was, it was based on a true story with the mods and the rockers, and so it, you know, ah, man, I don't know, you know, like um, royal blood, royal would, blood. I just got to tell you live they're phenomenal but the thing about their very first record and they have a second record out now too the first one is self-titled the second one is called how how we get so dark um it's a two-piece it's a bass player and a drummer so you're thinking for a minute about like you know white stripes or 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 something like that right right but they're so incredible what he does is he plays through a bunch of different pedals so, and he plays a five string bass where he will literally, it sounds like a guitar and he right. will use loops. So they sound like a full band.
0: I just saw um uh, the lead singer of The Matches do that. Yeah. Remember the band The Matches? I remember the matches. I of love course. The Matches. So, so I looked up a- again on iTunes being like, whatever happened to The Matches? And they had two new songs out. And I saw on YouTube uh, lead singer doing a version of one of the new songs. Completely by himself, using those pedals, yeah, to just do loops and so. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, like I can't play an instrument. I definitely can't do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, you, you find a lot of new artists now who literally create in a the room. There's uh, Tasha Tana from uh, Australia, and she uh, is sits there and literally she's a one man band. Is what she does. But I will say about Royal Blood, if you, mm-hmm. it's a they, they rock. They're, they're just a great band or something. It goes "Right Stripes, Zeppelin, Muse. There's a little bit of all of that in what they do. Uh, you know, because he's got a great voice, the lead singer, and the songs are incredible. And they're all like, none of the songs are over four minutes long. Sure. So each
0: my kind of, of their albums, <laughs> yeah, each it's of their albums kind of
1: have ten songs and they clock in at about 35 minutes. <laughs> but I recommend highly picking up the first Royal Blood album. I've been and, on. and in fact, it got endorsed by Jimmy Page. Wow. By, uh, you know, like... Uh, Lars and and Kirk and all those guys sure. from Metallica. Metallica yeah. Howard Stern was saying they were the best band he's heard in ten, fifteen years. I've
0: been such a, I've been so starved that uh, I've just been going to see bands like uh, from my youth. I I saw this uh, documentary turning around on the East Bay punk scene in Gilman Street. I just hey, saw that this documentary, and then I'm seeing a Jawbreaker documentary on Wednesday night because yeah. it's like. Well, let's go backwards.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, Turn It Around was great. I ended up doing like, a, a podcast, you mm-hmm. know, because I have a podcast, too, called, it's named after my, my show, Two Hours with Matt Pinfield, and it's just musicians on that mm-hmm. show, except for occasionally directors, and I had um, uh, Corbett, Corbett Redford, Redford yeah. on there. Well, I also hosted the, Green Day called me and asked me if I would host the uh, the the stream, f- the, the the actual premiere of it at uh, the indie film fest that they uh-huh. had going in San Francisco while I was still living there. So that movie was great. It was like three hours long. I just and saw it. Charlie came, and you know, like uh, Fat Mike was there, of course.
0: At the screening here in L.A. at the ArcLight, I I met Jesse Michaels from Up Ivy, and I was just like, yeah, holy crap, this is amazing. But I also met. People from Gilman Street and Book Your Own, you know, and Maximum Rock and Roll. Who, when I was booking bands back in Austin, I remember being on the phone with some of these people from Maximum Rock and Roll because they ran that book, Book Your Own Fucking Life. Yeah, and it was a book, which is such a cool book. Yeah, it was a book that came out every year, and it would have a listing of places where that were open to booking band to hosting bands, so like mess halls and like rec centers and then it would you know it would have a bunch of bands contact information there and then it would have like the agent's contact information there or you know and and so all i really had to do in high school was get a like find somebody with a pa system and then a, you know call up one of these places in austin Say hey, I want to put a concert on. Uh, what do I got to do? And then so you started doing that with like. And Bouncing Souls were one of those bands. One of those that bands you that, that I, I found the Bouncing Souls in Book Your Own Fucking Life. I, yeah, you know, Rancid was in Book Your Own Fucking Life. Propagandi was in Book Your Own Fucking Life. Like all yeah. these bands were in that book, and uh, and I was watching this documentary, just being like, wait a minute, like this was all. This was my life back then in the mid '90s. Was just being, you know, wanting wanting to go to Gilman Street and just being a part of all that stuff. And the next day, I I texted back and forth with Frank from MTX and just being like, "Hey, uh, I watched the you know the movie last night." And he said, hey, "Listen, I haven't watched the movie yet. I'm still really self conscious of how I come off, but I thought Frank did great. Like the he little, did. Like I, you know, he's he's always really he's been on Geekscape. He's always really good to talk to." um and i'm excited to see this this jawbreaker documentary uh wednesday night it's called uh don't break down yeah and it's about the reunion that they did. i want to see summer, that too yeah. now where is that it's playing at the ArcLight wednesday night yeah at what so, time i gotta
1: i think it's at 10 see i love those jawbreaker records like 24 hour revenge therapy and i just really even mm-hmm. even the dear you is phenomenal mm-hmm. Amazing you know, I, stuff. I debuted that on, on MTV back really? in the day. Yeah, I played that Fireman video. Yeah, there's a ton of, I mean... A great song title. I love I love you so much, it's killing us both.
0: And there were so many times that I would watch stuff on 120 Minutes and then immediately go down the Sound exchange or go down to the drag and start filming the CDs to find it, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I remember discovering, like, uh, you know, Ash was the British band, but there was a band called Wax that came out of... That whole scene, yeah, too. Wax, and, like, which is Joe Sibbs band, Joe Sibbs band, and the, I remember, and, and then you go backwards and you start discovering all the uh, all the other L.A. punk acts and being like, what the, fuck? <laughs> you know, that Wax video
1: that uh, Spike Jones yeah, did, the, which, one master. the one take, man, the one take with the guy running for twenty four seconds and they stretch it out, he's to, on fire, a little less than two minutes, yeah, he's on it's fire, incredible. It's in a great video. Great and video. has nowhere in it, but you know, Joe Sib and those guys, they were great. And I guess Axl Rose is
0: in that video. Yeah. Supposedly, Axl Rose is one of the people getting on that bus at the end of the video. Yeah. Which is one of the stories you hear about it. But um, I think I think it, it's a push for creativity. I think vi- music videos can still be done. they got to be done on a budget. they got to be done with like a DSLR-type camera. But the creativity has to come first because the days of multi-jillion dollar music videos, unless you're Taylor Swift or have a giant sponsor to, to foot the bill... Just isn't going to happen, um, Matt. I could talk to you forever, but uh, in lieu of talking to you forever, I think the GeekScapeers should listen to you forever. Uh, if you guys want more Matt, definitely go pick up the book. It's his memoir, all the things that I've done, my insane, Im- uh, improbable rock life, and then you can listen to Matt in many, many places. You can listen to him on uh, you know, the podcast. Podcast. Two
1: hours of Matt Pinfield. If you look that up, and then there's uh, the radio show, two hours of Matt Pinfield, Monday through Friday night. Mm-hmm. It plays at like 10 to midnight in most cities that it's on. And then Cirrus um, XM. XM Lithium on 34, if you want to get That's some background. It's insane back that
0: you're doing so much. That's
1: I'm right. grateful. You know what? There's not a day that goes by, I've got to tell you, Jonathan, that I don't pinch myself and say, I, I can't believe how lucky I am. And fortunately, I'm still working around music every day because I love it more than anything in the world. Music is just, you know.
0: I pinched myself when I tweeted you to come on Geekscape and you said absolutely. And I was like, oh my God. And then I look outside the studio when I'm wrapping up my show, and there you are. And I was like,
1: this is Well, I, I enjoyed doing this with you so much. It was fun. great. It was really cool. And I loved how honest
0: you were getting with your audience. <laughs> I think that's so important. Well, it's been 10 years. If I'm fake, I'm going to have to keep that fraud up for a very long time. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? And yeah. we're not on our first date. People here. love you for
1: being real, you know, and you're just you're, you're letting them know,
0: man. We hope so. All our blemishes. Oh, I've got so many. And and, and and I gotta give a shout out to longtime Geekscape as he's been here from the beginning, William Anderson. Yesterday was National Podcasting Day, I found out, only because he got on the Geekscape Forever Facebook group and said, um I want to uh you know, on International Podcasting Day, just want to shout out I love for Jonathan for starting this family of Geekscape podcasts, because you know we have four or five Geekscape podcasts on the network over at Geekscape.net and um for inspiring him to do a podcast. I think uh, William does a Pokemon podcast. And if so, William, you should go on the geekscape Forever message board and plug that thing. You know, the one thing you said was, I only hate Jonathan for making it look so easy. It's not that easy. William, you guys make it easy because I show up because you guys show up. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, Matt can be found on social media at?
1: Um, at Matt Pinfield Twitter. And then uh, it's Matthew Pinfield on Facebook and The Real Matt Pinfield on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to just say,
0: Jonathan, how much fun I had today. It was really great. We could talk
1: for hours and
0: hours. (laughs) I'm worried that we will. I was at the 101 for breakfast this morning, and I was like, oh, we should go to the 101, get some lunch. Uh, Guys, you can find me at Jonathan Lennon on Twitter. You can find Geekscape on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Search for Geekscape. We have a Geekscape page on Facebook, which is where we put a bunch of plugs. Uh, We just finished up a Bob's Burger contest. I hope if you won, you're happy. Um, and great. then uh, we uh, also have Geekscape Forever, which is the community page. And that's the group there on Geekscape um, on Facebook. And, of course, we're going to be at uh, Stan Lee's LA Comic Con uh, from the 27th to 29th down at the LA Convention Center. Uh, I don't know what panels I'm hosting right now beyond... The Geekscape panel at three o'clock on Saturday, but we're going to have a booth. You can come by. You can put your hand through all the loot crate stuff that our sponsors are giving us, uh, and bring you know get yourself a Geekscape shirt. Uh, And I am sure we're going to have some pretty awesome panels this year. Last year I got to do Luke Cage. I am really sure that I am going to uh, uh, get some really cool panels. I got a I got a Stanley panel last year to moderate, so that was a dream come true. And I am pretty sure um, we're going to have some cool ones. So check the Geekscape website. Check the Geekscape Facebooks. There's going to be all that. Um, dude, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Jonathan, it was such a pleasure, man. The show's great. Thank you, the sir. Videos. Thanks for Thank having you. me. And Geeks Gavis, I love you. Next week, uh, we've got Jake Busey on the show to uh, cool. talk about a new horror movie, fun horror rock movie that he's in called Dead Ant that's premiering next week. At, uh, I think Screamfest LA. So I hope you guys hear us next week. Love you guys. Geeks Gabe forever.